Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the BFC The Brit Film Pub. I'm your host Ali as always and with me... James, hello everyone. Hi James, how's it going? Good, how are you? Yeah, good thanks. So this is like the third time we've actually got to finally get things recorded. Uh, so I'm kind of relieved that we've got that sorted now because this was getting a bit of an effort. So anyway, how are you James? I'm good. The technical difficulties were really pissing me off. But apart from that, you know, it's summertime. So how could I complain? What about yourself? Yeah, you know, summertime was here for today only in Zurich. But I think tomorrow's going back to a bit of rain. But yeah, I'm good. I'm good, you know. Just uh, things are just happening. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's, uh, that's that, you know. But anything exciting happened with you lately? Let me think through my brain box is anything no no it hasn't i've been relaxed i you know i, had a, I made sure i had a relaxing bank holiday weekend oh, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. so four day week that's quite exciting mm. you know um that's it okay okay fair enough uh, you are quite uninteresting today that's, <laughs> that's nothing new <laughs> all right well then let's just uh, kick off with the uh the show then and uh, let's start with some news news sorry i just said that i don't know why news. <laughs> anyway um so i want to quickly start off with uh you know ray harryhausen passed away at the age of 92. he was like a special effects guy you know pioneer of his, of his time tell Especially, me some of the films that he worked on i only know about the clash of the titans okay and sinbad Right, and I think you've seen both of these, the older versions, by the way. These are the 80s and 70s versions where they had, you know, the stop animation skeletons. Oh, yeah. And uh, Medusas and all that, which I remember quite clearly because the Medusa scared the shit out of me. So did, uh, I think, yeah, the skeletons got me pretty scared as well. I don't know if they're both, well, Medusa is from Passion Times, but I don't know if the skeletons are from Sinbad. But in both, you know, is the thing is, he was someone who was. He, he inspired a lot of other filmmakers, you know, a lot of, like George Lucas talks about him, uh, so still Spielberg, and, you know, he's before what ILM was, you know, and ILM is what George Lucas' company is right now, you know, they're doing all the big special effects. Um, and so, you know, I, and I just want to say, because I remember him, he, and because Clash of Times, either it's a scary film to me, and it, but it, I watched it as a kid, and I remember kind of the effect had I mean not in a bad way but it's something like it had it still grabbed me in that epic scale way that you see today even with this all this shiny you know CG you have now but what it had then still really was effective to me personally um, but what about you did you ever watch any Harry Housen I wouldn't Ray know Harry. off the top of my head uh, the films that you mentioned I feel like I might have seen bits of but I've not seen them all the way through because I've got that I I can imagine in my head, I've got like, I can see someone fighting a stop motion um, skeleton. skeleton with a sword, but I don't know. You know well, that's stuff. the thing. Okay, fair enough, but that's the thing that you still have like this kind yeah. of like a cultural mm -hmm. influence or memory of him. Mm -hmm. Even though you don't know his name, you know that he's done something like that and it's from him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that was quite important just to, you know, 
at least pay a little homage to him. And uh, let me just pull one out for Ray Harryhausen. Oh, I actually poured something out. <laughs> that was silly. Yeah, that was pretty silly. Um, okay, so that's a, thanks for that, James. I've got a in my hands. <laughs> his family appreciates it. I have Okay, you. so, you know, so that's a bit of the homage. I actually want to... I, I want to start off with actually talking a bit about J.J. Abrams. Okay. You know, and we're you know we're talking about George Lucas and a bit of this. And Sorry that. to interrupt you, but do you know what the JJ stands for? I actually don't. Okay, let's not bother so, finding out. Yeah, I mean, if you have Google it while I'm while I'm talking to you, okay, you can do it. But I have no idea. Okay, so carry so, on. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, it's fine. But anyway, JJ Abrams, right? So he might. So obviously, it's been you know we all know he's been he's going to direct a new Star Wars film. And but now you know there's still some hope that he's going to Star Trek Star Trek three, and now it's looking like he might, he's not going to make it, and it's basically because of Star Wars, and because the, th- the other reason is oh okay he's working on Star Wars right now he's busy with it but and considering the last Star Star Trek came out four years ago. You know, you get, you could see if they do the film in four years, maybe J.J. Abrams can take his time out to do that, to develop the film, and maybe make another film, you know, make uh, another Star Trek film in that time. Because, you know, he did, he done uh, Super 8 during uh, Star Trek. So, I, that's why, I mean, that's what I'm thinking, but I don't know, what, what do you think about that? Um... I wouldn't. So I really liked the first Star Trek film that he did, and I mean, I, I suppose I don't want to say it would definitely be a shame before I see Star Trek Two because I don't know that could be a pile of shit. It doesn't look yeah. like it's going to be a pile of shit, but right. it could be shit. So if it's shit, then I'll be like, I don't really care. From my own personal perspective, I mean, I've watched Star Wars now. I'm not really that into it. I get it from like a cultural point really? of view and how. Look, I get how I get how when it was released, and I, it's very fun. It's a very, very fun children's movie, and if you grow up with it, it's really good. I'm not going to be excited about oh, when okay. the we films come out. Well, yeah, I'm up. not going to be that excited when the films come out. I would personally probably prefer another Star Trek film than him to not do it, then give it to some shitty director, and then have the Star Wars film. But in saying that, I understand why he would want to do that. I mean, Star Wars is massively popular. He wants to try something new, and if he can do this, then he's done... You know, both of those massive sci-fi franchises, and he's basically the king. They'll crown him. The nerds will follow him through the street. So it makes sense uh, from his perspective. Personally, I'm slightly disappointed from about that. Part. Yeah, well, him, sir. I mean, the other thing. Okay, so the other thing I actually want to talk about Star Trek was uh, that they that most likely in the third film is going to be based on Klingons, which you know is uh, hasn't happen, you know, they've not mentioned much about Klingons. I mean, it's only in the first Star Trek they did. In the second one, there doesn't seem to be anything with Star Trek, with them happening as well. So, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, it's going to be, so for me, I, I'm looking forward to bringing like the central kind of villains of the Star Trek original universe into the new films. And, you know, I mean, because we don't know who Benedict comes back to them. You don't even like the name. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens with that, but um, you know, 
what, what do you think about that with Klingons being? Star I think Trek? Klingons are kind of cool. I like their kind of outlook. They're very warlike, so you could have some big. I just like their outlook. Like you've got the um, Federation or Starfleet, whatever. They're kind of like. I mean, they, I know they got guns and all that, but they're about exploring and peace and that. So you, it's a contradiction. And then the Klingons just go all out. Like, I can see them murking someone, which I definitely want to see. They've got those big sword things that they fight with. That's just cool. That's just, I, I, don't, I don't know. They've got, like, big weird sword things, and they clash, and they've got ridgy heads. And also, because the Klingons, a lot of them have dark skin, probably the main Klingon they pick will have to be, like, a big black man. And I love seeing big black men. Uh, in films, do, not like do, that. Do you think The Rock can do it? No, fuck The Rock, no. Hey, it's man, why you the, the role for Idris Elba. Oh, Idris Elba would be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll have a bit of Stringle Bell, yeah. Bell tactics happening in the yeah. thing on. Mm-hmm. We can see that. I can see that, yeah. Because McNulty and the Kirk, Captain Kirk are quite similar, I'd say. They are. What did <laughs> I do? Yeah, they're very similar. <laughs> okay. Um... Let's move on to the next subject. So I want to talk about a bit about Robert Downey Jr. Robert mm-hmm. Downey, you know, he's in talks for uh, Avengers. Well, he's already in early talks for Avengers too, and uh, you, you know, because you know, because it seems like he's kind of done with the whole Marvel thing. Well, the whole talk and spiel that we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So if you if you got that and. Uh, but you know now they're saying you know, well you need for Avengers because still he's the most important character right in the Marvel universe in film film wise right mm-hmm. so I think you know I think Marvel will do everything they can to offer him loads of money but what that's brought up is a lot of issues with other actors you know and they've already had that before in terms of contract salaries uh, you know with uh, Don Cheadle replacing uh, Terrence Howard and. Uh, Oh god, what's his name? Mickey Rourke game lowballed in terms of money being paid in Iron Man too. So, but now because all these actors like you know, uh, Captain well, God, I can't remember his name, Chris. I oh, Chris Hemingworth, right? Yeah, Chris Hemingworth. You know, you have the Captain America guy. So, you have these actors who are now got their own, you know, central to their own films. A and you know they will be important as well to the Avengers when it, Avengers two when this when it happens. So you know these guys definitely should like negotiate a higher salary, especially if Robert Downey Jr. is getting higher pay, because now for you know Captain America and Thor are becoming very important characters in this universe. So uh, you know it's causing some issues. But what do you think of that then? I would say firstly, I think it's interesting that they, if they're having contract issues, I would I'm surprised you know, with their planning of what films they thought they're bringing out and ordering that they wouldn't have signed people up for various multi-deal uh, things beforehand. Uh, I would have thought their planning would be slightly better from Marvel's point of view. What I will say is, and I doubt, I mean, it's odd because I suppose uh, Marvel, they're quite invested in Iron Man and uh, Thor and... Uh, Captain America because they've given them their own second films and they were successful in the Avengers but I think they've missed the trick with the fact that I mean because initially I wouldn't say uh, Iron Man or Captain America uh, or Thor were particularly um, popular characters like they introduced them through their films and it was the the fact that people enjoyed the films and not necessarily the characters that made 
the build-up to Avengers uh, exciting for people. So I would have thought Marvel could think maybe if we take some time, set back uh, Avengers 2, if we can't get uh, Robert Downey Jr. to be Iron Man, we introduce another character for people to love and bring into Avengers. I mean, they've got they've got enough scope to actually do that if they, you know, if they can't get the people in the deals. I mean, I wouldn't bust the gut to get these actors because, I mean, the cost will spiral if they all teach treat them like stars yeah but if they're so, making a billion dollars if they're making 1.5 billion dollars they can give why can't they give chris evans and chris Hemsworth like 10 million dollars at least because, i mean they made it in the hundred thousands for the avengers because the problem is they don't know well i mean they i'm sure they can and i'm i'm sure they probably will uh i'm not and i'm not saying these actors don't don't deserve it but from a business point of view you want to minimize your risk i mean you know you're going to have to pay for massive special effects and blowing up shit. So you want to minimise your costs for your actors. You don't want to be giving everyone... Uh, you don't want to be, like, stuck with certain people. Like, when they had to give Chris Tucker, like, 20 million for, like, Rush Hour 3. You don't want to be stuck with that because you want some leeway. And I think they do have leeway because they don't have to have those characters. Um, I don't, And once again, I think I don't think they'll replace them. But why not get someone else from the Marvel universe and say, Oh fuck it. Well, Iron Man's over. And in five years or whenever, I don't know when, and when would Avengers two actually come out? Cause I uh, think 2015, I think I would, I would worry about the level of interest that people still have for it. Oh, they will. I mean, I, I, it's a long way away. Well, no, but yeah, but think about it, man. Iron Man three, just $175 million just alone in America and worldwide. It's already made that $700 million. And that's on its own, not in the Avengers. So when you have that, and just this is just opening week, mm-hmm. they, clearly the popularity is getting bigger and bigger. And because it's a new thing, it's like comic book movies are now the norm of summer blockbusters, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a surprise when there's a big comic book film coming out and it's not odd to go and watch them. Whereas something, you know, it's, even, it's more odd that there's sci-fi originals or even film... You know, what other big films are coming out? They're all based around like, like fairy tales or you know some twist on it, really. Mm-hmm. So, I think that you know, or just some reboot property. It's nothing original, right? So nothing is original coming out. And yeah, things come in cycle, but I think now this is where it's the golden age. And they and they're getting the right actors for it as well, in the, for Marvel anyway, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, Robert Downey Jr. is in his prime of career success. And it's not because, and it's because he's kept himself clean, he's kept himself smart in that sense, you know, and uh, rather getting himself in trouble, he just kept himself away from paparazzi in the negative light. Mm-hmm. And now he's, uh, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's successful, he's making loads of money, and he can get more money out of Avengers 2. You probably, I don't know how much he can get, but seeing they already had the potential of $5 billion made already, I think they, and they probably can make more with the second film. You know, the sky's the limit, really, and I, I, I really don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon. And I mean, some people are saying that, but I just but I mean, there's I, way too much interest, and there was way they've seeped into the whole cold, you know, of movie watchers. That's a thing. I I think you're right. I think the the problem is, and I don't know what it's like to be a mu- a movie executive, but it's how judging it from like will people come watch it from a compared to a business point of view? Personally, if it was me, I would be scared to give, I, I mean, it depends what numbers you're talking about, but how, how much could, 
that each of the primary actors in the film get? Like, just say a number, first thing that comes to your head. Well, you sh- they should get, or you no, would get? get. What do you think they would be demanding? What do you think would be? In the, I think in the, at least in like the five ten million range, like Chris, Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth. I mean, say they star in their own yeah, film. Okay. <laughs> that, that makes I, sense. I think at least that much, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you yeah, know, so at least we got that, and uh, so you know that that's that. But you know, another actually, there's another thing I want to talk about then. Going comic book films, and that's uh, do you know Michael B. Jordan? He's the black kid in um, in God, what is that film called? Chronicle, yes, yes, I do, yeah, and he's in The Wire, he is in The Wire, which uh, was fun when I was watching Chronicle. I was like, that means I know him, it's from The Wire. But supposedly, the rumor is he's gonna be the uh, Human Torch, that's the right name, the Human Torch, not Fantastic Four. Is that right, Human Torch? Yes. Oh, the it's same? a human torch, yeah. Of a human torch. And, uh... Oh, man. Tottenham have scored. I am screwing. <laughs> this is shit. Good, anyway. uh, good reaction. Sorry. But, uh... <laughs> I just looked. I have to say it. But, um... Anyway, so you got, uh... So, talking about Michael B. Jordan, a black person playing the human torch, what do you think of that? I, I really liked him in, uh... Chronicle. Mm. Uh, I thought he was very engaging um i think that uh people are going might go apeshit about it <laughs> because nerds can get really angry when you change things and they'll start talking about things they will possibly say about because the human torch is supposed to be uh sue's brother mm, i so guess they, they might have to change that I they guess. might because he's adopted Exactly. I mean, that's, it's, not, dad cheated it's, on them? it's not the biggest okay. leap in the world. Like, it's not. It was not a problem from a writing perspective. But you know what they'll be like? They'll be like, "No, you can't do this." But I think it'll be cool. I think he was really nice in Chronicle, and essentially that is kind of a superhero movie. So why not? It's a good choice. Yeah, I mean, just want to pick up Michael B. Jordan. Like, first, you know, in the why he's kind of doing that very low-key kind of acting where he's not very emotional. And I think he was portraying what you are, like, in the wire, where people are not highly dramatic in any way. Uh, so I didn't know he actually had acting chops, but, like, but he was more better directed and better written when it came to the wire. But then I saw him in Chronicle, and I was just really surprised the energy he brought in that. Oh, because I also saw him in Friday Night Lights, which I actually didn't like him, and I thought he was very... Uh, he was very stale in that, actually. I, that's the one show I didn't like him in. And I love Friday Night Lights, so... Now, but he, he's coming into it, you know, and Spruz, it's probably his uh, new film called Sundance Fruit really well. That's doing really well. He's done really well in it. So, um, you know, good, good on Michael B. Jordan. Uh, I, I think it would be really interesting. I think it would be really exciting. Yeah. Why not? We need more black superheroes. I mean, exactly. are there any? It says Hancock. And that's not a good thing to talk about. <laughs> or Don Cheadle as the Iron Patriot. We should talk about later. Mm-hmm. Let's move on a bit quicker now because this is my favorite part of the news. And you know I love to talk about some Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise is back in Mission Impossible 5. Are you having a laugh? I'm not having a laugh. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> you accept it. Yeah, but this is this is the part where you tell me it's a franchise and you can still carry a franchise and you think it's a good idea and I say he's an old man. I'm sick of seeing this old man running around. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. 
you know, I, I get what you're saying. But, you know. Wait. What? We reviewed Mission Impossible 4, didn't we? Did we? Did you watch it? Yeah, we did. We did review it. But did you watch it? I know yeah. I all talked about it, but I didn't watch it. We reviewed it. I can't remember if you liked it or not. I genuinely can't remember. I, uh, I thought it was possible. How did you feel about it? I loved it. Well, it I liked it. I liked it. Was it a popular film? Yeah, we kept on talking film. about how attractive the pattern was. Oh, Paula Patton, bro. <laughs> Damn. Paula Patton. She, I mean, she's 39 or something, but she's yeah. looking boring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I don't say boring a lot. Anyway, that's enough of news. Uh, let's move on to the trailers. So, first trailer to quickly talk about is... Uh, the world's end because we were talking about this in our summer preview about why I'm not really excited for this. Well, I am excited for it, but why it's not in my top five. It's because mm-hmm. we, we haven't seen the trailer yet. And now we have. What do you think of it, James? Um, I mean, okay. From the perspective of a trailer, and I talk about the quality of trailers, I would say that this trailer does well in revealing what the film is about. Uh, and does well in not revealing too many of the jokes, but it doesn't, it's not in and of itself exciting. I would say if you haven't seen any of the previous Simon Pegg films, maybe you might, you might, I mean, it's got exciting points, but no, exciting is not the right word. Funny is the word I need to say. In and of itself, the trailer is not funny, but it does have uh, some exciting moments. I put that in air quotes for the people that couldn't see it. Um, Personally, from my perspective, I still think seeing that trailer and it, me knowing the plot and me assuming Simon Pegg's still going to be funny is enough for me. But I don't know if it would entice viewers that aren't familiar with him. What well, about yourself? I think, first of all, you know, like the first two films, okay, because this is like the Cornetto Ice Cream trilogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, the third, so the last final one. And the first two were Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. They both made enough money in the UK to be a success, right? And I think that's what they're exactly aiming for again. So, I, and I think everyone knows enough in the UK about these guys because they sure are such a massive success. So is Hot Fuzz. These actors are really well known in the UK. So mm-hmm. I don't think. And now the the thing is, they only got potential just to get bigger because now they're seeping into like American culture. People get to know who Simon Pegg is, Frost, and Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. And uh, not like on a massive scale, not like as a on the, in the mainstream. Yeah. But even in but the film street, in the film scene, they are because when Shaun of Dead came out, it was just like a any like the in between us came out. Mm-hmm. You know? it's only for the British audience. The same. Yeah. So that's what Shaun of the Dead was. But Hot Fuzz came was at a time when you know Americans started noticing it, and I think the same is coming with the world's end. Um, I have a. Key agree with you with the, how the trailer made me feel as well. I was quite underwhelmed by it, even though it gave me everything like, information-wise. Yeah. It didn't excite me. I wasn't like, yes, I have these like hot fires that got me excited because I love the trope they were bringing, which mm-hmm. was, you know, a, a twist on the buddy cop genre. Mm-hmm. And in this, it's like world apocalypse and, that, you know, that's fine. And in a way, it makes you keep thinking, oh, this is the end kind of thing. But, yeah. uh, the, you know, the new uh, Seth Rogen film, and that, I mean, that looks a lot more exciting, but I think they've just done a better job and they've been building up a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Whereas, but I mean, I trust Edgar Wright, I trust Simon, yeah. I trust all of them. And, you know, the cast look, it does look brilliant. So the, the only thing that I was lacking was a bit of a Benedict Cumberbatch, I say. <laughs> 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 but, 
Other than that, it, uh, yeah, it, it looks okay, but I mean, it's supposed to be meant to be a teaser trailer, even though it's two minutes long. So we'll see uh, how it goes when the you know, next trailer when it comes out. So um, let's move on to the next trailer I want to talk about, which is Ender's Game, directed by Gavin Hood. Uh, it has a boy from Hugo. He's British, but he's American in this well, American accent. And you got Harrison Ford as some sort of lieutenant, Ben Kingsley, Penny Stanson, you know, Viola Davis. All of these, you know, pretty big, uh, you know, Oscar nominees and Oscar winners. Minus the kid, but uh, you know, it's based on the Art Wilson Scott Card book, uh, which is a pretty big, massive seller. So far, what I can tell the story is, aliens haven't already attacked Earth. And uh, they, but they won, and next time now they get kind of prepared not for this to happen again. So to do that, they're preparing like young kids to get ready for battle and have battle aliens. And it's kind of like it seems like a like a kind of like a take on Halo in a way, because that's what they do in Halo. They get young kids, make them kind of superhumans, and uh, you know be aliens up. But in this, it seems like they're actually attacking alien planets. Um, what did you think of it, James? I thought the trailer was interesting enough. Like, um, I'd heard the name Ender's Game before, and um, yeah, you've told me it's a book. I'm under, I'm under the impression it was relatively popular. Have they ever made a film from this before? No, uh, no it's just brand new. Well, it's ten years old, I think. The book. Okay, so I don't know where I would have heard that before. Anyway, long story short, I thought the trailer was uh, okay enough. Um, looked vaguely interesting. It looked like when I've said this before, like your normal sci-fi fair not something that i would particularly get personally really excited about but i might see it i might like make an effort to watch it but not if i miss it i'm not upset um but once again i think if it's adapted from a popular book then you know with the trailer you don't have to really excite your the people because you've already got a fan base that is going to want to go and see it well, a book reading base isn't as big as a uh, as you know an actual film audience yeah. make money, especially how much you invest in it. And second of all, the issue as well that it's getting is the whole uh, if you watch this film, you're spoiling. Uh, oh, that is true. You know the whole marriage, gay marriage rights. Uh, uh-huh. I've been going against it, dude. You make a lot of noise. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so because also Scott Card promotes, you know. Uh, Marriage between only you know only heterosexual marriage, not okay. homosexual. So you know people are saying if you watch this, you're spoiling this, and I think personally that's I think that's bullshit because then you should boycott every sort of corporation and put any kind of belief because not everyone's fucking perfect. Everyone has weird and different beliefs, and they all think they're fucking normal. So yeah. uh, I mean, anyway, I I just think if I watch a film, I'll watch it. And I mean, this whole you know people are still buying Nestle's, and that used to support the fucking apartheid in fucking South Africa, you know? So, I think I'm right about that. But, <laughs> uh, oh, Johnson Johnson. Johnson, Johnson uh, and Johnson. You know, again, they, you know, but people still buy their products today and they're still more than popular than any other pharmaceutical company. So, I just think it's all full of shit when people say ban one movie and, you know, if you want to watch it, if in the film they're talking about you shouldn't, you should ban gay marriage, Fine, I get that. But if mm-hmm. if it's not, if it's just telling a story about kids destroying planets, well, that's okay. Which is you know, fine. They which can destroy is acceptable. This um, is what this is. You know what it really supports Al Qaeda. 
Did you? Ooh, <laughs> did you? Uh, what do you think of the trailer itself, though? Did it make you want to see it? Yeah, um, I'd say it did. Uh, I do want to read the book. I have got it in my Kindle, but I haven't got around reading it. Nerd. Shut up. <laughs> but um, no, no, I, I, I'm excited to uh, read it. Uh, but I'm excited to watch it as well. And it looks interesting. Although a lot of people do say that Harrison Ford is just in that one note, you know moaning type of, you know, groaning type of guy, uh, just roughing all the time, and fine, he's doing that. But it could work in this film, it could be, that's why maybe he's chosen really well for it, I don't know. Harrison uh, Ford, more like Harrison Ford. Oh, oh Anyway, <laughs> anyway um, yeah, so that's, uh, so we're both kind of interested in, in this game, so you okay? So that's enough of trailers. Let's move on to what we consumed, right? Now, James, you about to ready? You know, tell us what we consumed. Yeah. I'm ready. You ready? Do you remember what you watched? I do remember. I remember. Actually, that's good. Then. But you shut up because I'm talking right now. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, have you seen Zombie Land? No. What is it? Tell me about it. Have you seen Zombie Land? No. Is it a TV it's, program? No. Well, it is a TV program right now, but. But, and it was originally meant to be, but it was a film. Oh. And uh, it's got Jesse Eisenberg, Woody Harrelson, Emma Stone, Abigail Breslin. Uh, so, you know, oh, oh, I don't want to ruin the... There's a special star celebrity cameo, but it's like really good when you watch it. But, um, yeah, Zombieland. Uh, Did I have to Ruben Fleischer? Uh, so, basically, the premise is... Uh, the world's gone to shit because zombies have taken over. Oh. You have our main narrator, who's Jesse Eisberg, who's the main character as well. And he's basically telling us at the start of the film, this is what's happened to the world, and the way to survive it are these certain rules he's listing. And, you know, it's like card- being cardio, having good cardio, to making sure taking a back seat uh, in the car, things like that. So, and it, it's very, it's, it's, a, it's a zombie horror comedy. And it, so you start off with him just traveling on his own, and he runs in Woody Harrelson. And basically, you know, Woody Harrelson's not, he's a, kind of like a cowboy kind of person, and they just don't get along, but they're human, so they're just going to. But to not attach, get attached to each other, they actually name each other by where they come from. So Jesse Eisenberg calls himself Columbus, and uh, Woody Harrelson calls himself Tallahassee. And you had the same with Emma Stone and Abigail Breslin's character. Um, so you just see the adventure of how they're just going through it. There's no actual overall arc, but it's just their kind of like journey. It's kind of like a funny version of The Walking Dead in a way, I guess. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a really easy watch. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's got good action. It's got good. A- it's got a lot of good action. And uh, it's got a lot of good action, I'd say. And uh, the, com- the comedy work. And uh, yeah, the, I, just, I just want to talk about it because every time I watch it, it's easy watch. I recommend if you're bored and you've got nothing to do on a night and you've got one and a half hours to kill. So that's the other thing, it's quite short. It works. Uh, so, you know, that's the zombie lamb for me. And uh, on next with you, James, what do you, what do you want to talk about? Um, I watched uh, Along Came Polly. Oh, okay. Uh, a film, uh, Ben Stiller romantic comedy with Jennifer Aniston. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about Jennifer Aniston in uh, rom-coms. She's in quite a few. I think she's a bit of a weird actress, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I watched it with my mother. 
Uh, it's the same as every other uh, rom-com. I really like rom-coms, but I'm starting to doubt myself. <laughs> this sounds like a, some kind of like epiphany you're getting. Like, this because is like midlife crisis. They're so enjoyable. They're good daytime films, but they're all the same unless they're really good ones. So, I don't know. I mean, this one was rubbish. I don't really... Is Ben Stiller funny? I don't like Ben Stiller. I, I, I watched that film because... I probably enjoyed that film because of Ben Stiller and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman because that basketball scene is brilliant. It's just, ben Stiller's just a bit... It's just awkward. It makes me feel a bit awkward. He's kind of funny. Do you, do you like Zoolander? Don't you like... I do like Zoolander. I do like Zoolander, but I'm not, I think the films he are in are funny, but I think if he's not in a funny film, and I, I, I watched all of Along K Polly, I could have walked out any time. I didn't choose to watch it. I, my mum was just watching it. You just want to sit with your mum. I was sitting mom. with my mum. She had it on, so I watched it. Uh, I could have turned it over, but I didn't. Uh, but it's not a great, it's not a good film. Did you say you enjoyed it? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Well, yeah. I, but I haven't seen it for like seven, eight years now. I'm not going to say it's bad. It's just, it's not, there's nothing great about it no it's very middle of the road yeah. uh, i mean but it's like again it's kind of like well i want to say it's like zombie land i think zombie land is a better film but in the sense of it's easy it's an easy watch like you yeah. said it's like a daytime and that's what most rom-coms are until they're like you actually genuinely hate watching it and that's something like i just want to quickly interrupt because you talk about rom-coms yeah my flat may put on what women want and, okay uh god that is a you know it's not a very good film and it's kind of, and it kind of just pisses you off eventually. <laughs> and I think that's what rom coms sometimes do as well. Because the problem rom com is right, they attract, they try to attract the female audience mainly. Possibly mm-hmm. that's what they do. And it kind of, in my opinion, tries to treat them very stupid on what yeah. women are. You know, mm-hmm. this is what women feel. This is how women talk. You know, and guys are just dickheads. Women just gossip. That's usually just generalization. And it's very frustrating that you have. The, that's the only time a leading lady has like an equal role to a man in and that's in rom-coms and when they do it's just them head falling head over heels going by yeah the idiot or he's a or he's complete loser and then she's just mean so you know it's kind of like it never, it never shines a good light on women so it's kind of like or it makes them come just i don't know what the opposite of misogynistic is you know with men uh, uh, it's mis it's misogyny it's misogyny the opposite no, misogyny. of misogyny. No, the opposite of mis misogyny is mi- misogyny. It's quite confusing. It's not important. Fucking English language. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so whatever you know, so it kind of makes women come off like that. Uh, and yeah, so that's wrong. Come sorry. Any, anything else you want to add about belonging body? Um, no, that's it. Just apart from. Could have been better. Try harder. I think there's no point. Watch a different Ben Stiller film if you want well, to watch a Ben Stiller film. Well, uh, what I would actually recommend is actually a uh, another rom-com that I watched. And it's a very strange one. It's called Punch Strong Love. So last week I was talking about uh, Boogie Nights, directed by Paul Thomas Hanson. So this is, again, directed by Paul Thomas Hanson. And this time it's uh, got Adam Sandler starring. Okay. And uh, I believe the actress's name is Emily Watson. I could be wrong, but uh, mm-hmm. she's a British actress. Uh, very strange film, very short film, which is good about it. But basically, it's about Vince, it's Adam Sandler, just a Jewish guy, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Adam Sandler has his own business. He's a very socially awkward person. He has seven sisters, kind of like 
are very bully him in a very you know, but they think he's just play you know, just playfulness and he's a very lonely, very sad person. Uh and very, very eccentric. And he's just he's socially just he's inept and he has like random out anger outbursts until he meets Emily Watson and uh you know and the way he and he's so nervous to talk to her, you know, he's very shy and his sister's trying to sound me up same up with Emily Watson. You have that, and then, but then he's got—he basically gets caught up in a lot of other things. Like basically, he calls a, a you know, those calling girls line. You know, those late night calling girls line. Uh-huh. You know, because uh, he's so lonely. And basically, when he calls at her, he gives her like credit card details, and from there things start kicking off. I won't say any more. But a series of adventures ensue, and it's—it's uh, it's very good. It's the music. Is completely strange and it's like really loud, really bombastic, and uh, it kind of builds attention in a very funny way uh, because you got Adam Sandler really stressed out, and you got this really loud kind of like drum kind of music, very percussion type sort of music, going really loud and just making making you feel stressed for him. But it's still very funny at the same time because the situation is just so ridiculous. Um, I, this is, you know, one of those Adam Sandler films I genuinely enjoyed. He's really good, and I kind of wish he'd done more things like this. I think it wasn't, like, initially... It's not as, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson's most critically loved film, but I think uh, because it's not as epic in scale, you know, it's not like there will be Blood or Magnolia, or, you know, well, I guess Boogie Nights is not, but Boogie Nights is a very long film, and it, you know does a lot more, it goes a lot deeper in funnier ways though. Um, whereas I don't think that's what Punch Drunk Pub is. I don't, I, I don't think it's as deep as it is kind of like, uh, it's more just a romantic comedy but with just own sadistic twist. Um, so that's, you know, I will talk about rom-coms for the week, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, what was the last thing you watched? Uh, the Hunger Games. Ooh. I watched The Hunger Games mm. with our own Oscar winner, Jennifer Lawrence, The Hunger Games, a film adapted from a young adult book called The Hunger Games. Oh, thank you for um, saying that. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Kids from 12 districts, two children, one male, one female, gathered together for, uh, you know, a fight to the death. Some people might have said, hey, James, did you watch Battle Royale? I say, no, I'm too scared to watch that film because there's too much blood and gore. So I watched The Hunger Games instead. <laughs> Actually, that wasn't my own personal choice there. I was, asked, well, I was asked to watch it with my girlfriend and because I love her very much, I did watch it with her. Um, but My friend, I call that being whipped. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen The Hunger Games? I have. I saw that because I really like the books. You really like the books? Okay. Sorry. Yeah, and... Uh, are you, wait, are you a 14-year-old girl? Because if you are, legally, I'm not sure we're allowed to be having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, you know, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird when I was dragging my other 25-year-old friend with me. <laughs> I was like, we have to watch this. We have to watch this. I think I pretty much flew back to the UK to watch this. <laughs> no, that's not true. I came back because it was my birthday that weekend, so... It came out around the same time, so... Yeah, uh, sure, you tell yourself that. It's true! Um, basically, uh, it's massively... I assume massively popular film. I know the books are massively popular. Uh, I think I'm talking about Herbie. Maybe, maybe I'm stretching it. Uh, but I didn't really find it that engaging. 
I actually thought that uh, the characters were kind of poorly developed and none of them really grabbed hold of me. I thought they were all kind of weird. Uh, I don't think the acting was bad, but none of the characters seemed wholly... They didn't seem whole. They, their actions, they're okay, they make sense, and everything happened a little bit too fast. Uh, there was no, nothing was given time to develop, and especially... I don't think relationships were given enough time to develop for me to care about any of them. I really didn't care much about uh, whether any of the characters died or stayed alive. And I thought I was going to. I actually really thought I was going to care about how these kids got on, but I did not give a shit. Yeah, um, I I would have to... I had the same feeling, and I read the books, and it kind of made it easier, but it made it also worse, because you're like, I, in the books... And I know I'm, you've already accused me of saying like a 14 year old girl, but... Because anyone may watch this, I mean, what, and read the books with me. Not with me, this is now sense he walked me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, basically, <laughs> I don't sound good here. But, uh, yeah, that's the problem with the film. It just lacks the the relationships that you, that you really feel in the books. And from that point of view, I think it was really disappointing. Even though they made loads of money, you know, they made $400 million just alone in the US and 600 worldwide. And so the next one will just be bigger. I think it's coming out this November. Oh, yeah, because the trailer came out as well, I think, a month ago. So, yeah, you know, the action wasn't that great. And, you know, the film is, the book's so brutal. It's a shame they kind of hid from that. And I hate the whole fucking shaky cow they did. Like, something you genuinely had no fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> There's too much cutting. It was worse than the Bourne film. Well, the green grass ones, anyway. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I thought Jennifer Lawrence was good. And I think at the start, it blew up really well. But when it got into the Hunger Games, when it actually kicked off, it was very disappointing, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That. And that's the end of that. I don't see the Hunger Games. Don't see it. I'll read the books. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, anything else you've consumed? Well, the only thing I want to write about is uh, the happy endings finale. Okay. Mm, okay. Have you seen it? Have you seen yeah. it? Have you seen yeah. it? Yes, I did. I did. Yes, yes. <sighs> I believe that? I did anyway. Yeah. Oh, what? Well, it's from last, uh, whatever, last week. Yeah. Yeah, from, yeah, okay. Just make sure. Um, so, you know, these could be the last episodes ever of happy endings, which I pray to God not. But, you know, um, what did you think of it? What do you think of the finale? Um, just to be clear, the finale was the wedding, right? Yes. Yes. I thought it was funny. Uh, like they, like the episodes always are. I thought it was uh, funny. I think they construct their jokes incredibly well. They have a sensible amount of self-awareness. Not to the point where it's smug, but, you know, uh, oh, I could obviously talk about it. The, the joke at the start about the, about the sister, about um, not uh, talking about them. Uh, and them not being in any of the flashbacks. That's a funny joke because it's funny. Um, Thanks for that. Thank and you. I'm going to miss it if it's gone because they stuff so many jokes into it that, that I think they really. I'm surprised that it's not more popular because they really know how to make. Oh, maybe maybe I'm lying. Maybe they don't know how to make a, com- a comedy because maybe they stuff so many jokes that people don't care about the characters in the same way they care about you know the characters from Friends like. Even if people didn't find Friends as funny, they're emotionally invested in whether Ross and Rachel are together. Whereas when you watch Happy Endings, you're just waiting for a joke. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. And uh, 
when you I think when you see their relationship though, like when you see like Brad and Jane kind of like have this such a strong couple and the way they interact is funny, but it's still sweet at the same time. No, I I, I agree with you. I think that the relationships are really good, but I think it's just because there's less peril in it. There's less not there's less. There are I'm not going to say dramatic parts. Like things happen, the relationships change, but it's not like that's not the biggest deal about it, which is what it is a good thing for a comedy, but maybe detracts from it. I, 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 you might be right, but I, I mean, obviously, because I think you and I enjoyed it from the get go. So yeah. I, I, I don't believe in that, like for me, but because, but the thing is, characters are insane compared to like friends. They are kind of so, but uh, that they're so out of this world kind of thing. So yeah, for me, they're but they still have enough groundedness in them. Mm-hmm. It works for me. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm a bit sad it kind of ended this way. Like, I don't like the whole idea of Alex and uh, Alex and Dave ending, breaking up again. It's like, oh, really? You know, and then, you know, I think they started picking up the comedy beats with those two. Because yeah. initially, I, I think they were poor again. But I think they made Dave funnier. They made Alex way funniest in this season. Uh-huh. And, she, you know, she's gotten so much better. So it's always good. So I think, you know, and I didn't like it that in the final scene, final episode, they tried to make it a bit emotional. I just thought uh-huh. the show was just gone all that funny yeah. and bring out something like that. Uh-huh. You know, they try to make comedy out of it. Uh-huh. Uh, and it works because I do like, I do like uh, Brad, uh, you know, Brad's brother-in-law or James' brother-in-law being black and then him just screaming about knowing Blair Underwood, which is crazy. Oh, yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that bit when, it's, when he was like... Uh... Um, what do we say when they be listening? What do they say? <laughs> that was so funny. Like I literally laughed out loud in my that, own. That actually kind of reminded me of how I think you try to be black. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that was just genuine. That was so cringeworthy, brilliant. Oh, yeah, I, I, that was quite good. Um, was there a lot of Penny? I can't remember a lot of Penny. Oh, I guess Penny and Max did a reliable yeah. comedy couple as well. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, I, if this is the end, uh, it's a shame. But I'm I really think sad. We... I, I'll be really sad. To, I would give up on all the other comedies that I watch. <laughs> never. The key. Ow, I just hurt my jaw. Oh. <laughs> that was like a never. That was a really strong never. But anyway, um, that really hurt. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I would be very sad. But I, I think we've got good three se- seasons of happy endings. So even though I don't think that's enough. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy I have that, and uh, I really wish there's at least one more. I hope some fucking cable network in America picks it up. We'll see. Um, so that's end of what we consume, and let's move on to our Iron Man three review. The big review. Okay, I like that. I like that. You gotta keep that dance move. So uh, <laughs> anyway, so the way we'll talk about is we'll do like a 10 i say five to ten minute discussion of it without spoilers but then we're going to spoilers so whoever will listen to this or watch this i recommend you get off as soon as we say spoilers um <laughs> uh, so you know iron man 3 this is directed by shane black i was doing this last time um i think that's the right name you know and he's been like he's He's directed Kiss Bang Bag. He's written it as well. He also wrote Lethal Weapon films uh, and the last 
Boy Scout. Yes, the last Boy Scout. Yeah. So he, you know, which are like kind of a classic eighties, nineties buddy, uh, buddy films, uh, buddy action films, and you know, so he's getting like a massive property machine back. And but he's worked for Robert Downey Jr. in Kissing Bang Bang. They worked pretty also. I think people are anticipating that. What I think of it this time, so I just want to start off. Actually, you know, you start. What did you think of Iron Man? Uh, briefly, uh, I thought the film had some enjoyable moments. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I think it falls into the typical traps that uh, I find comic book films fall into. Uh, things that when you're out, you ponder, that makes no sense, etc. Um, which kind of detracts after. While you're actually there, you're kind of in the moment. I think Robert Downey Jr., uh, his acting was okay. Um, but he he didn't really have that much to work with, as in who was acting against. Uh, not that the actors were bad, I just think maybe that the conversations that the actors were supposed to be having were a little bit weird. Um, overall, enjoyable. Not great, but uh, better than I thought it was going to be. What did you think of that? I would say the same. I think it was enjoyable. I don't think it's great either, but I expected exactly that it's going to be like that. I didn't expect any more of this, so it hit me just right in the, the correct spot. So, um, because you, I, I don't know about conversations, I would say, but I would agree with Tony, well, Tony Stark's character, or his emotional art, or Robert Downey Jr.'s acting of it. Because um, it's kind of, because, you know, Tony Stark is such a, you know, he's some. He's just constantly a cocky guy, very arrogant, always just making quick jokes. And, you know, they try to make him a deeper character and try to reach out more emotionally from him. And it doesn't... I For me, it falls flat, right? When he's talking about his... And, you know, because trying to call back from the Avengers mm-hmm. about his, what he sub-faced. And I get that. I get how they're trying to portray that. But I just don't... I didn't care. I think that's the most important. I genuinely just didn't care. I was like, can we move on? Can we just get onto the actual story and the adventure of this? And, uh, you know, I, I I thought in that sense, yeah, it lacked. But I thought the action was good. And what I would say about it is funny enough when I was talking about Shane Black, was that um, it reminded me of the 80s, 90s buddy films. Mm-hmm. Especially like the, like the, the way the... For the the way it's all set up, you you have this kind of like you have the main bad guy, you have his henchman that you always have encounter with, uh, you have your friend who you have to follow you with, but you work with, and he's black, so that's the other thing. You know? <laughs> uh, but obviously, in this, though, you know Don Cheadle's character can't be that central because it is an Iron Man film and it's going to be about his journey, so it's very difficult to incorporate completely. You know, they do give him a bit of a storyline. Um, but but at the end, I think that buddy cop feel comes complete, you know, fullness. Like the way they portray it works really well because that completely reminds you of how it should be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that, and that was really enjoyable. And I just want to say, you know, Guy Pierce was really good. I thought he's very good. Ben Kingsley was really good. Uh, Rebecca Hall was really poor. I was really disappointed in her because I really fancy Rebecca. Who's Rebecca Hall? She's the other girl, the uh, the Tony Stark's old love interest. The uh, botanist. Yes, the botanist. Okay. Um, uh, just to say, yeah, I thought uh, Guy Pearce 
was good. Uh, but it's going back to your whole buddy thing. I think what kind of might have ruined any buddy aspect of it, and I don't know, maybe this was me, but I personally thought that John Don Cheadle was awful in this film. I think okay. he's, I don't know, is he a bad actor? I don't think he was a bad actor. I thought no, he was no, trash. Maybe, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I, I disagree. I, don't think he, I thought he's way better than what he's in Iron Man 2. Maybe that's what helped me as well. <laughs> he was so bad in Iron Man 2 that it really worked in this. And uh, they didn't give him too much to do, but they gave him enough to do. So he didn't come out as too bad, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, that's my point of view. I, I, I like Gwyneth Paltrow right now. I actually like in all the Iron Man films. And I always wish they used it a bit more than they have. Um, but yeah, you know, I, overall is okay. There's, I don't know, it, well, okay, what I can say is that it's completely different from the first two. And it doesn't fit, it's the least Marvel film thing I can do, and then, because that's why I talk about the buddy cop feel, feel, feel for it. And it is like that, it feels completely like a different film from all Marvel films, and I like that about this. Even though I genuinely didn't actually enjoy some of the plot points, or didn't care for them, uh, I still appreciated it. And more than a... Because I actually, overall, I'd say I still prefer Iron Man 1 right now than, than Iron Man 3. And Iron Man 2 is clearly just disregarded. I just don't care for it. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that's my opinion. Is there anything else you want to add before we go into spoilers? Uh, no, I think any points I want to make on it, I think will be better discussed in the spoiler section. Okay. Okay. So, guys, this is spoilers. Please do not listen any further, or I will fucking keep the shit out of you. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> okay. My, my mom says I'm quite strong now. <laughs> uh, okay. So, these are spoilers for Iron Man 3. You've been warned. Oh, fuck off. Anyway, so, what do you want to talk about spoiler wise? Uh, I mean, I don't know if. I'll probably we'll probably bring up specific points as we go along, but in general, I think you mentioned the plot briefly just before we went into this, and I think I kind of felt like that they tried to stuff in too many pot, plot twists, and I think those plot twists that they did stuff in what in and of themselves were were obvious enough for me to think that you could have. I mean, what was the various reveals? Uh, and I'm probably missing some. The Remember two main or the botanist being bad. That's the uh, that's one. The main uh, the Ben Kingsley being an actor. That that was an interesting twist, though. I I, I because I was. Did laughing. you not see that coming? No, of course not. How, because never because the manager's never been portrayed that way. So how would I see that coming? Because uh, how do I explain it? You could see uh, that the people that were blowing up were because of um, this man and his uh, um, his think tank, right? That's fine. I but let me that. finish. Let me okay, finish. Okay. There is no uh, immediate reason why this man with his think tank would become subservient to uh, a terrorist. And the fact that this terrorist, we introduced clips of him, but it got very far through the film before we were given any 
motive or idea to motive or why he was targeting things in particular ways. Whereas Guy Pearce was always given a clear, you, you could see his clear motives. It was because he had this think tank. He wanted to not be disabled anymore and he wanted to get back at Tony Stark. So it makes sense that he's the main villain. It makes sense that this Mandarin who we're introduced to and is seen as a scary character is kind of like a, uh, is a red herring. Okay. Uh, then that's fair enough for me. I see what you're saying, but for me, the way I they were portraying it to me, the way I understood it was, Guy Pierce is being funded by terrorists because, and you know, it's not the other way. So he's getting money from, so he doesn't give a shit who's funding the project. He just wants money. Hence, they even go, you know, and they set that up when um, when Guy Pierce does go to Stark Enterprises for more money for investment. So I thought he was just uh, getting more money out. He's just trying to get as much money out from his extremist project, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I know, I know a funny twist, and I, but I think it'll annoy comic book fans, I imagine, if they really care for the Mandarin as a villain. Mm-hmm. Even though, I don't know. He's an interesting twist, and I think it, although I don't think it really adds too much to the story, rather than just yeah. old-fashioned laugh, that's it. Um, other than that, I thought it was... You know, not much to care for in that sense. Uh, but you're talking about dialogue. You're talking about like, oh, I don't, I didn't, I didn't like had they're having weird conversations. Okay, so okay, and the film. Okay, I I think the film true was, and it makes sense. Uh, you expect kind of quips from Robert Downey Jr.'s. Uh, Iron Man, you expect him to be making jokes. I think they tried to put maybe too many in. I did laugh out loud at, I think, on two occasions, which is a lot for a non-comedy film. Uh, but I think there was other times where they were trying really hard that I just kind of felt like, oh, oh. Um, I, I thought the conversations with the kids were fun, but I think kind of like some of them went on a little more. And I was like, oh, that's tiring. Oh, this, like, just, I would rather they got on with the story rather than tried to make Tony Stark uh, really funny all the time because they're not, it's not a comedy film. So I don't need to laugh. I think his quips should be a few, but good rather than often. Um, That's him with the kid is the main examples. Uh, But I don't think the kid was too bad. Although, I, just I don't, I don't think it was that. bad. I just think it's one of those... I don't think it was bad. I think it's one of those things where I was kind of like... Pff, unnecessary. I think there's unnecessary things in the film. Well, why, well how would you say it's necess- unnecessary? Like, what would have been... Because... Okay, I, I guess what you, I see what you're saying. But they're just trying to, again, make Tony Stark more human and... You're trying to express that through the kid. Did you think he... No, I don't think that him with the kid made him more human. I think he was much more of the same. Like, he taught... Like, make me a sandwich. That's not more human. Like, no, but when it opens arena, the whole hilarious panic attack to me... That, yeah, exactly. The, I think the panic... That was really panic, bad. Like, that the was panic bad attacks are fine. Because the panic attacks aren't the same. I think it's those... I think it's the little moments. I can't remember them off by heart because I'm not a loser. Um, but... Uh, let me think. What other examples? I, uh, this is maybe another. I didn't really like the interaction he had with Don Cheadle or the jokes he had with Don Cheadle. You like the buddy movie aspect, but for me, it didn't really work. Not necessarily because that's in it. I love a buddy movie. I just didn't think that they were given the right tools to go to town with that. Well, I mean, I would think fair enough because it's an action yeah. film. 
But okay, but I only think it's a buddy movie at the end of the film, right? So like the whole uh freighter the whole hangar freighter crane scene, right? The shipping yard, that's it. Yeah. Right? And uh it is you know, and that's what I was talking about, the whole buddy aspect. You have someone they gotta save, uh you got the two guys working together and alright and I thought it was really good fun when it brings all the Iron Man suits and he's just constantly jumping into them. And I think the whole extremist guys were actually really good foes and it was a good way to bring in all the Iron Man suits and play with that. It was well done. It wasn't like chewed in, in my opinion. It works with the context of being really, really well. And uh, I, I, I really, I enjoyed the whole action scene. And again, that's kind of the way usually like 80s, 90s action films are kind of set. You know, where the bad guys there, they suddenly decide to have fights. I mean, I remember like Eraser, Eraser which is the Arnold Schwarzenegger film, being in a kind of like shipping yard area. So it, it felt distinctly like that. Um, and and then the other thing I love, I, 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 this is one thing I did like, I love, was the plane scene. The whole saving them, uh, the saving the 14 people on Air Force One. I thought that was a lot of fun. That was I, thought that was, I thought that was a good moment. I did enjoy that. Because um, I, I liked it that uh, what what you could have expected in a film like that is that when you when you he said oh, you can only save four of them, you usually have like oh the hero goes through some moral dilemma blah blah blah. But he just went hey I'm gonna try and save them all in a in a more intelligent way. In a more intelligent way. I'm yeah, smarter than you. It's, and I thought that was really good. Oh, going back, oh, sorry to have to go back to a previous um, my previous point about plot twists. Uh, I mentioned the two main ones, but I think it's what it was. And I can't, I'm remembering one specific moment, but it may have happened more times. Little things like when um, Don Cheadle rang the vice president. Right. uh, And then the vice president's like, oh yeah, I've heard this, blah, blah. And then he goes over to his like daughter or granddaughter and says, I love you. And then it slowly, slowly pans down and then shows that she's missing a leg. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that, and I remember w- when I came out of the film, I felt like there was other moments like that. It's really heavy-handed, and it's like, oh my! It, it, you think this filmmakers thinking they're shopping people, but like, oh my god, the vice president, he's no. He I, I, I think like, it's just necessary think, storytelling. You, what, do you think that's necessary? I think that's just to I'm, give him my name motivation. You know, not even like, and it's a very quick one. It's like it takes a second to tell that story. But imagine if they didn't tell that story. Imagine if the Guy Pierce never says, I've got the uh, next president set up. Imagine if he just kills the president. The vice president's like, oh, fuck it. Because he's still got this terrorist network. He doesn't need uh, a president in tow to keep it going. That's what an, Ameri- an American president would do if you have a terrorist uh, threat, they go out and attack it. This is what ha- has happened for the last 10, 15 years. So you don't need to set this up like that. Yeah. It's not like a massive stretch. You don't need... You know, and funny, just talking about politics here, just slightly, right? I felt this film was a lot more American than the others, like very pro-America, if you know me, like very patriotic than the others. And I'm not just talking about Iron Patriot, but it's kind of like <laughs> they, you know, they say that Tony Stark's an American, you know, American superhero. He's an American icon. And it's, uh, you know, I find that very interesting because I never felt like, Okay, Captain America was like that, but even Captain America didn't feel that. Like, yes, you just feel like he's part of any army. He could be part of any army and be like that. And it wasn't, and when they portray Captain America, it's not about 
oh, these are just American values. He's just doing something right. He's not just saying America just is right. Whereas in this, you know, they're saying, I felt very, very strangely felt very American, pro, very patriotic, especially from a Tony Stark kind of persona, which is, yeah, and I noticed that Iron Man 2 as well, uh, because they're like promoting, like, you know, Iron Man 2, you know, they're promoting the new suits and technology, mm-hmm. Starkers, the hammers. So, I mean, I just find that as a very interesting aspect for me. I was like, oh, you know, there's more pro America than usual. Um, I just, I, I don't know what, I mean, what else is there? I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of story to talk about here, but yeah. I, I, I just want it to be what you care about or what you think is important else to discuss about this, if anything. Um, <laughs> off the top of my head, I can't think right now. Um, okay. Let's talk about, I think I actually did enjoy uh, Gwyneth Paltrow Pepper in this film. Oh, I, she was. yeah, okay. But I didn't care about Happy. Or as no, known as John they Favreau. Really, they really, uh, I think they botched that a little bit. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that was pretty botched. Um, yeah, no. It, uh, overall, I'd say I think I'm. I think we're going quite now because I think Iron Man Three is ex- exactly. It's kind of what you expected, but it's done differently still. But it doesn't still have that I that feeling of greatness. Unfortunately, uh, they just don't hit. On that sweet spot that even Iron Man one did, I think it's really well done. But I felt like I've to me it felt a bit long and dragging in some places. Like you know when he is in Tennessee with the kid, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know because it's kind of like just little annoying things. Like and I guess I I understand now what you're talking about plot points. Like him talking about um, before he you know before they attack him, the terrorists attack him, or Mandarin attacks him in his house. You know, he set up he set up a destination with this suit to go to Tennessee, and then when the whole action sequence is over, he's falling asleep during it, and he lands in Tennessee. Uh-huh. Then by then, the suit's destroyed, so you can't even talk to any talk to Jarvis, so you can't call any of his other Iron Man suits. So you have this, you know, whole middle section, and obviously they're trying to get deeper into the story. But really, I don't care about the investigation as much as well. Uh-huh. Him investigating, it just doesn't. I, I just don't know if I enjoyable. But again, you know, it's just the way they set it up. Oh, it's like, oh, the Jarvis just remembers, oh, the last destination he should have gone was Tennessee. And, you know, and that's how that story carries on. Um, oh, one thing uh, before we, I don't know how close we are to wrapping up. Okay. But uh, what I did find weird was the fact that so he meant the fact that he mentions New York and the fact that he was fighting a massive alien horse, like a massive army of that before. Yeah, so he talks. Everyone talks about it, but you know, everyone talks about aliens. So he, he talks about it, but then when he's fighting these people who are essentially humans that can get a little bit hot, I felt I was surprised that the Iron Man suits uh, didn't uh, fare so well against them. Do you know yeah, what but, I mean? They, but they're talking about being three thousand degrees. You know, like it's pretty high. <laughs> Uh, no, but that's when they explode. Okay, I guess. Okay, maybe you, yeah, that's true. So, but uh, I, but I think you, okay. I guess I see what you're saying, but 
I don't want to get too scientific about it. That's getting way too. But that's what they do in the films. This is what you always you come out questioning things. It's like I always there's always going to be loads of inconsistencies in uh, superhero films. Nothing more than when I watched uh, Spider Man three, and I was like, none of this shit makes sense. But it, it disturbs me. It's little things like that that disturbs me. Like essentially, thought the plot was okay. And I think Guy Pearce played the villain, right? But it wasn't, a, it didn't feel like a massive peril. It didn't feel like a massive uh, fight that Tony had to have. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I felt, I he that. felt like a man that I think he could have easily defeated. Uh, but evidently, I might be wrong. But he, the fact that he needs so many suits in the end, in that last fight, makes me think, well, how impressive is Iron Man really? I mean, so I suppose that's not, Iron Man hasn't actually had a foe that is, uh, a, he's not had a villain that's really challenging. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem, but that's why I even like it compared to the other two, because yeah. the other two are just bigger robots, or different robots, <laughs> like Iron Man, which is just not interesting. Whereas this, at least, it's like a, it's kind of, you know, it works really well with how, how he counteracts Iron Man really well. And that's what, you know, because you couldn't really defeat him in that fight. He had to outwit him. And I like that when the superhero actually does that really well. Rather than overpowering him, he just... Uh-huh. I mean, obviously, Iron Man does do that in, in the first one, at least. But he, he's just not as impressive. Um, he kind of does in the second one as well. Well, you know, he, he actually does beat him. No, no, that's, again, outsmarting him as well. Because the villain overpowered him. And, but in this, it's just a more, more intelligent way. And it works because he'd be setting up the way he defeats the villain really well with the whole Mark 42 of pulling and directing where the Iron Man suit can go. Um, so I think we should just wrap it up here. I, I just want to say, not as good as Iron Man 1. Just near, it gets there. It nearly gets there, but not there yet. Uh, Iron Man 2 way better. It's way better than Iron Man 2. Oh, yeah. Does it excite me for more Marvel films coming? Not really. Uh, I think, and I also, I think this is the end of Iron Man. I mean, I think it should be anyway. Yeah. Uh, and they kind of made it feel that way with the end credit scene. The whole, uh, not not Mark Ruffalo. Also, I thought that was really funny. I'm talking about like, the whole like kind of uh, flashbacks or you know little montages of his, from the first, second, and third film. And uh, I think that works. And it genuinely made me feel, oh, this is the end of an era, and that's fine by me. I think they've done it for, you know, third film in a, in a, in a series, just done a good job. And I would say I'm happy with these Iron Man films, uh, and I'm, I don't need more Tony Stark or Iron Man, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, that's me. What about you, James? No, I, um, I uh, wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, I think that it was enjoyable. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I haven't seen Iron Man 1 in a while, so actually I, comparing it, I'm not sure if I'm fully confident doing it, but I feel like I enjoyed Iron Man 1 a lot more, but it could have just been because it was fresher. It's definitely the right time to end it uh, for this series, and it kind of made it feel like it was, it could end there. I think if they came back for an Iron Man 4, unless the script was uh, amazing, it would probably end up being stale. Um, and that's all I have to say about it. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for listening. 
and I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can you know reach us on Twitter at Broken Engineer and Nostradamus. You can email us at the bit of filmcast at gmail.com. Um, I think you know, comment, review us on iTunes or wherever, share us on Facebook if you can. Um, yeah, so that's that. And hopefully, next week we will be aiming to review Star Trek 2 Into Darkness. Into Darkness, not too Into Darkness. So, uh, thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to the BFC The Brick Film Club. This is episode 26. And uh, I'm your host, as always, Ali, with me. I'm James. Hello, everyone. Hi, James. How's it going? Uh, it's going well, but actually, seeing as we're here together now on the podcast, I thought yeah. I wanted to speak to you man to man, because I know okay. this is like, you know, no one will be listening to this. It's just, just you and me. I wanted to talk to you and say okay. people have been talking to me, coming up to me, asking me, What's on the next podcast? Who's going to be on there? What films are you going to talk about? I just want to say, right now, it's just you and me. There's no new friends. No new friends. <laughs> All right? You got that down? Uh, I, I, I got that down, James. That's Thank good. You. How are you doing? Uh, do you want to explain what the hell you're on about? <laughs> do you want to explain to anyone? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, the, I know we usually start off with news, but I, I suppose this is news. The best film ever has been released, uh, I think, maybe last week, a week and a half ago. Uh, it's made by uh, DJ Khaled, who isn't a DJ, but his name is Khaled. Um, and it is about uh, the distrust that he has. Uh, and it's really deep and emotional. You've watched it, Ali. What did you think of it? 